Well, good morning, church. Y'all can do a little bit better than that. Good morning, church. Amen, amen. Today is the day that the Lord has made, and so we should be rejoicing. Uh, Of course, uh, thank you as always to everyone uh, who worked behind the scenes and for those who are up front as well in helping to put together uh, this service. Thank you all so much. And uh, let's be sure that we, we thank uh, these folks from time to time as well. Amen? Amen? You know, it's important to acknowledge those who work on behalf of the Lord for the sake of the whole. And so let's make sure that we show our appreciation to them. Just by way of reminder, uh, I want you all to be praying. And thank you for those who have been praying. Uh, you know that there is a congregational meeting coming up, as was referenced in the announcements. And um, not only will you hear a little bit about uh, the vision, but uh, most of our sermons for uh, a season uh, will deal with aspects related to the vision. And so pray that uh, the Lord will be with me and those others who will be preaching, that he would uh, help us to speak his word uh, with boldness and with wisdom. Amen? Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it is a new year. It is a new day. Let's talk about new wine and new wineskins. Is that all right? All right. Well, if you're able, I'll ask you to rise. I'm using this morning... Luke 5, verses 37 through 39, um, as my scripture. So let me read it and pray, and then uh, you can take your seat. Luke 5, beginning at verse number 30, or picking up at verse number 37. Jesus says these words, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. Father, we come to your word, and Father, we ask uh, that you would indeed uh, meet us in your word. As the preacher, Father, I pray that your spirit would guide me and help me to speak what it is you would have me to say. And Father, as your people are gathered here on this morning, I pray that the spirit would open eyes, ears, and even hearts to what it is you would communicate. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. New wine, new wineskins. Now, let me get something out of the way, off off the top. In no way am I standing before you with this passage. In no way am I attempting to suggest that I am Christ, that I am new wine, I am new wineskin, and You all, or faith prior to me, is old wine, old wineskins. In no way am I trying to communicate that, okay? 
And uh, if for some reason you, you get that, uh, that was not my intention. There is something uh, greater that I'm after, and I will, uh, I will let you know that uh, in due time. But let's think first about some of the context in this passage, and we'll look at the verses itself, and then we will wind down with some application points. First uh, thing to note is that our Lord Jesus Christ, he is uh, rather, this is rather early in his public ministry. This is a time in which he is, uh, he just stepped on the scene, and not only that, he's in the process of gathering disciples and uh, bringing folks into the fold so that they may be discipled and mentored by him. And in this specific instance, he had just called Levi. We know him perhaps as Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, and of course, tax collectors had bad raps, and in many ways, rightly so. And so think about that for a second. Jesus goes, and he calls someone to be on his team that most other religious folks probably wouldn't have called. And yet Jesus sees Levi. He tells him to leave the tax booth and come follow me. And Levi is, uh, is very encouraged by the invitation, so much so that he invites Jesus over to his house. Levi appears to have been a man of resources, and he invites all of his friends and a, lot, or a number of his friends, and many of them are uh, sinners as well. And, and somehow the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees and the scribes, they end up in this crowd, and so they're all sitting at this uh, gathering, eating and drinking and and all of a sudden, a question comes up. Uh, the question is, well, John's disciples, you know, they fast, we fast. Why is it that you and your disciples are not fasting? Now, in this context, uh, the reality is that the Pharisees and, and many of the other religious folks of that day, fasting would have been a common practice. And some of them, perhaps uh, it is believed, would have fasted uh, multiple times throughout the week. And so it's in this context that some of them might have been fasting, and they're sitting there, and they see Jesus, and of course Jesus would have had uh, somewhat of a reputation by this point, and they're trying to figure out, for one, here is this guy who's supposed to be this religious, holy teacher, and yet here he is eating with tax collectors and sinners, and not only that, He's not abiding by the traditions and the customs. And so they ask the question about Jesus uh, and his disciples fasting. And from there, he launches into, uh, you know, a parable. And he talks, of course, about, you know, him being the bridegroom and his presence is amongst his people. And as a result of his presence, there's no need for fasting. But of course, there will be a time in which there will be a need. But then he breaks out again into some parables. And the passage of Scripture that I have read, we are in the midst of his parable. And so let me read it again and just give a little bit of an idea about what he means. And then we'll jump into some uh, more in-depth things. Again, he says in verse number 37, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. And if he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine desires new. 
where he says, the old is good. Now, there are two things that uh, we need to, to come to grips with before we fully appreciate uh, what I believe Jesus is communicating here. First is the concept of newness. You will hear or you will read all throughout the scriptures uh, various points in salvation history. You'll read of the concept of newness. For example, you will hear the idea of a new covenant. You will hear uh, a new commandment. You will hear of new moons, new songs, new creation, new heavens, new earth, new life. In other words, throughout the Bible, there are periods throughout again, salvation history, where something new arrives. And Jesus is using a new concept here, specifically the new wine concept. And not only do we need to know that newness is something that we'll see all throughout various portions of Scripture, uh, you also need to have an idea of the, the, the concept of wine. You know, wine is, is all throughout the Scripture, and it has a bad rap in, in certain instances, and rightly so, and then other times it symbolizes good things. You know, the bad rap is the most obvious, I would think. Uh, we are not to get drunk off of wine. Think of Noah, and you will see other portions of Scripture. You'll see in the Proverbs where it warns about, uh, you know, getting uh, drunk and uh, other portions of Scripture. But not only is wine, again, used in a negative sense, it is also used in a positive way. Oftentimes, wine represents joy. It represents abundance. And you'll see this throughout the prophets. Isaiah, for example. Uh, Jesus, uh, his first miracle involved turning water into wine. And, of course, that was considered a good thing in that moment. So, again, in this small verse... This new wine fits into the larger concept of newness throughout other places in the Scripture. And then wine, uh, again, it can have a good rap or it can have a bad rap depending on the context. But here, Jesus decides to use it in, as a part of his parable. And in essence, uh, you know, the wine-making uh, process, and, and, you know, I've had to do my studies on this. I don't claim to be, I like to drink wine from time to time, but I don't claim to know all the ins and outs uh, of wine. But in this context, you know, when you had new wine, you needed new wine skins. Because once you poured the wine in the new wine skins, it would take some time for it to ferment. And as it did, the wine would expand and it would cause the wine skins to expand. And so you needed new wine skins that could expand in order for the new wines to ferment. Whereas if you had an old wine skin, which would have meant you already had wine in there, and it would have expanded to the point where it could expand no more, if you take that wine skin and you pour new wine into it, that new wine needed to ferment and expand, and it will burst that wine skin because it could expand no further. And so Jesus uses this uh, parable and then he goes on in verse 39, and again, I'll get to what it ultimately means. But he says, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. This doesn't have to do with the quality of the wine per se. 
They like the old wine because it tastes better than the new. This has more to do with the people's familiarity. In other words, they're familiar with the old and would prefer the old as opposed to the new, which is uncomfortable in this context. So what is Jesus getting after ultimately in this portion of Scripture? In this portion of Scripture, Jesus, with his coming, something new had arrived. And oftentimes, by the way, in the Bible, when something new comes, it's not necessarily a replacement of the old. It's more or less a building on top of the old. And it depends on the context and what we're talking about. But, for example, Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it example. And in this context, Jesus stepped on the scene. And with him, he came in such a way that he caught a lot of people off guard because he did not often abide by the traditional or the old ways of which the people were accustomed to. He said things that, that caused people to scratch their heads, and he did things that, that made them confused and, in some cases, upset and infuriated. And in essence, Jesus is communicating again that with his arrival, something new had come. And as a result of the new, the old would not be able to contain it. Now, with that said, what does this have to do with our, with our context? And by the way, in the, in the context of fasting, if you think, for example, Jesus in Matthew's gospel where he's, uh, you know, preaching up on the mount, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, when you fast, don't go like the Pharisees. You know, they go out and they're all disfigured and they look like they're fasting. Well, that would have been their way, the old way. And Jesus says, when you, know, when you fast, make it look like you're not even fasting. You know, anoint yourself. And so Jesus is coming with a new way. Jesus says, you know, you've heard that it was said, you know, uh, hate your enemy, love your neighbors or your brothers. Well, Jesus says, but I say, and what he says is the new thing, so to speak. And so, again, with Jesus came new ways of thinking, new ways of of understanding. Now, I said again, and I want to repeat in case anyone happened to walk in, I am not suggesting that with me comes the new way or I'm the new wine per se. As a matter of fact, I have sermons or a sermon lined up where we'll talk about how to appreciate the past and how do we utilize the past in light of moving forward. But with a new pastor comes some new expectations and new things. And I don't, again, want to make it seem as though everything will look totally new, but new wine in some of that ways. Okay? So the first thing that I want to ask you in light of this particular passage, uh, and let's make this more personal than anything. What is the new wine that the Lord is calling you to taste? What is the new wine that Christ himself has prepared that we are called to drink of? And again, let's think personally 
For example, and we need not overthink this, the new, the new wine of mercy. Some of us, perhaps, are overly judgmental. Some of us would rather play the role of a judge than extending that of mercy. Some of us have the old wine of hatred or bitterness in our hearts. And the new wine for which Christ provides is that of love and forgiveness. Some of us uh, drinking of the old wine of, of, of doubt and fear. And yet the new wine that Christ provides is that of trust and belief. Some of us are, are, are still preferring the, 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 the old wine of, uh, of slavery to sin. And yet Christ provides the new wine of freedom. What is, what is the new wine for which Christ provides for you and for me? Over against the old wine or the old ways for which we prefer. Again, in this context and in various other contexts, Jesus came and he was providing new ways of understanding, new ways of thinking. And not only him, but his disciples and apostles after him, they would come. And, and even in this context that we just read, he is interacting with sinners in such a way that that was unusual in many ways, the folks would have said it was uncalled for. But the new wine calls us to associate with the lowly and the downcast. And his interactions with those that he's sitting and eating with, again, that was new wine for many people in his, in his uh, audience. And as we enter this new year, and we'll talk, you know, we'll talk in the future about what the new wine looks like for us, per se, in, in, in a corporate context. But for today, again, what is the new wine that Christ has provided for you that you have not yet drunk of? I know I, I am thinking about this uh, in, in many ways, and and on some level, you know, the new wine for me in the moment is that of joy. And, I, and I've said this in a different context here. You know, I've, I've, I've been the type, and I think I've gotten better, and I, and I give the Lord's Spirit credit for such. But, you know, the way I function is, you know, what needs to be fixed, or what is the problem, or what is it that, that uh, you know, we, we got to deal with. And, and, and so I have that all listed out, and then I have what the Lord has done good. And, and instead of taking the time to revel in that and give God praise, I would rather go back to the old way, the old wine, and just focus on all of the issues and the problems. And yet, for me, the new wine that Christ has provided is that of joy and acknowledging the Spirit's work, even in the midst of darkness and difficulties. So for me, joy is that new wine. At one point, the new wine was that of, of trust and belief. You know, I, I, you know I, I did not want to be a minister or a pastor, and I've, I've said that before. And there were consistent doubts, even years into my ministry, 
I am not capable. I, and, and in and of myself, I'm not. And there's no question about that. But over the years, I've seen the Lord and how he's taken the foolish, how he's taken the broken, how he's taken those you would think would be the least uh, ready for such work and do great things. And when I see that, I'm encouraged. And I trust that he's involved in my work and in my life. What is your new wine? What is your new wine? That, and we don't have to come up with something new. Often the new wine, is, the new wine is something that has already been communicated. But for us, how often would we rather the old ways or the old wine? It's easier to be bitter than to forgive. It's easier, perhaps, and more comfortable to doubt than to trust. What is the old wine that you prefer over against the new wine that Christ provides? I want you to think about that. Secondly, in our walk toward newness, in terms of the new wine that Christ provides, let us remember that Christ himself is our God. Jesus is in this passage, and he's all throughout the scriptures. And whenever people are walking into the new ways of the kingdom, Jesus has led them into that. In other words, we as a church, we as believers, we, don't, we shouldn't necessarily just come up with new things for new things' sake. We should be led by Christ when it comes to things spiritual. When the Lord, if, if the Lord wants me to walk into this newness of life or this new creation or this new that, then let us know that we can do that because he himself is our guide. Remember, the disciples that he's calling unto him, they're caught in the midst of confusion and, and what do we do? They would have been familiar with how things were done and, and the customs and the ways in which uh, the, the Pharisees and others operated. And now here they are walking with Jesus. And it's like, whoa, Lord, we're picking grain on the Sabbath. And Lord, you're doing certain things that's going to get us in trouble. And yet they were able to go and do and follow Christ because he was a worthy guide. And whether it's the new season in the life of the church, whether it's a new season in your own personal walk with Christ, you can walk into whatever is new because Christ is your guide. And let me say this, I am not pretending that newness is, is easy. Sometimes it's, it's comfortable to, to stay in our old ways and, and, and whatever that may be. And yet when Christ comes and he challenges us to love the unlovable, and that might be new for some of us, well, I know that's uncomfortable, but Christ is a worthy guide. It's hard, perhaps, to, to walk by faith, uh, leave perhaps a job to follow the Lord uh, where you believe he's taking you and your family and you're wrestling with that. That's an uncomfortable thing. But yet Christ is a worthy guy to follow. And so whatever area of newness we are led into, let us know that we can walk into that newness because Christ himself is our guide. And so Levi his disciples 
All the people who are walking with Christ and getting these teachings and hearing these new things, they are following it, not simply because it's the thing to do. They are following and operating according to these new ways of thinking because Christ is leading them into these new ways. Let me also suggest that there is a danger in preferring the old ways over against the new ways for which Christ is leading. Again, Jesus says in this context that, you know, hey, they prefer those who are accustomed to the old wine. You know, they will prefer to drink it as opposed to the new wine. And just prior to that, he references the fact that wine will be spilled should you put new wine into old wineskins. And reading that, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's much of an, uh, an interpretive point, but I kind of laugh because I am one. I just, almost a pet peeve of mine is spilling food. I don't know what your pet peeve, so when I read that spilling of wine, that spilling of food kind of hit me. But nonetheless, that is a, a real danger. And if we prefer to walk in our old ways over against the new ways of Christ, you and I set ourselves up for danger. Again, it's uncomfortable to to, to sit in my seat and not walk out by faith and follow the Lord wherever he carries me. And what blessings am I missing out on? It's dangerous to prefer the old ways. And this is what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. It was easier for them to walk in the ways in which they were more accustomed to. And yet Jesus is saying, there's a new way that comes with him. And so I just want to remind us on this morning, and this is somewhat setting the stage for corporate discussions, but I want us to think personally first that Christ calls us unto new ways. And the old ways are often tied to our natural persons. And just by way of repeating, I said a few, and maybe some of them hit home with you, and maybe there's some other things you're thinking about that I'm not communicating. But again, whether it's, I don't know if you've got resolutions or whatever, know that Christ has resolutions for us as well. And for some of us, these are new things. And for all of us, according to our natural person, these are new things. But let us walk in the new ways of Christ, whatever that may be, as opposed to preferring the old ways. Now, as I, as I, as I close out, brothers and sisters, when it comes to the idea of newness, you know, we have folks who are creative, and rightly so, and, or praise the Lord for that. Uh, but we have a Lord who's worthy. Amen? We have a Lord who knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's asking of us. Amen? And, and we can be real. Sometimes we don't get, we don't understand what it is the Lord is saying or doing. I, you know, there are multiple times throughout my life where I'm asking, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? Why does it need to be this way? Or why does it need to be that way? But it becomes a matter of faith and trust. And one of the things that I am praying for us 
as a church, for me as a pastor, for my family, I want to be very, very careful of getting to a place where we feel like we've arrived. We are redeemed. Amen? We are saved in Christ Jesus. We are cared for. Our future, our eternal setting is, is taken care of. There's no question about that. But I don't want us to get to a place where we feel like we cannot grow any further. Whether it's in our knowledge, whether it's in our walk, whatever it may be, I am asking the Lord, what is it that you would call, what is it that would be new for me per se? I'm not, necessar- I'm not talking about new revelation per se or anything of that sort. But what are the things, Lord, that I would, 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 would say, you know what? Operating in this way or doing it this way or doing that, this is new for my spirit and my soul. But yet it's because of you that I'm doing this. It's a dangerous place to get when we think we've fully arrived. We praise the Lord for foundations. We lay hold of of all of the foundations that the Lord has given to us. But as we are called to grow and become more and more like Christ in our walk, what are ways in which we're called to grow as it relates to reaching the neighborhood, the city, the world? What are those new ways? Well, may Christ give us those new ways. May we follow him and only him. And as we do, may this newness of wine taste good. And so, brothers and sisters, let us praise God for the new things that he provides in his word. Let us lay hold of the new things that he provides for us in his word. And as we do, may we see the fruit thereof. Father, we bless your most holy name. And Father, as we looked at this portion of Scripture briefly. Uh, Father, we acknowledge that you have sent forth a Savior, and with him a new way of thinking and living came. And yet this was something that was promised of old. And Father, we pray as a church that you would help us to walk in the new ways that you are calling us to walk. Again, Father, if we are drinking of the old wine of division, perhaps, may we taste of the new wine of unity. Father, if we have the old wine of impatience, give us the new wine of patience. Whatever it may be for us as a church, Lord, reveal it. Whatever it may be for us as individuals, reveal it. And we pray that by your spirit, we would taste of the new wine. We thank you for our great Savior. And we thank you so much for him teaching not only Levi and those who were physically around him, but we thank you for his teachings in in the word. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.